to What the Fertility Season 2. Today we are sitting down with Brennan to discuss her journey through infertility, IVF, and miscarriage. So welcome, Brennan. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're so excited to have you and hear about your journey. So you are almost on, well, you're pretty much on the other side of infertility in terms of like that first success, right? Right. On the other side, but I feel like it never really leaves. <laughs> you know, I, exactly. I know I like had to say, yeah. I was like that first other side. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, um, I, let's see, I currently have, um, a 15 week old, um, daughter as a result of IVF, but it was a, it's been a long journey as I know you guys have had as well. And, um, I'm excited to kind of share that with you guys today. Yeah, super yeah. excited. I know you and I know each other like previously, <laughs> but I didn't know we we basically got reconnected through you opening up on Instagram and me opening up on Instagram and kind of just talking about IVF and infertility. Right. It's it is it was like such a hard journey and I think one thing that made it so hard for me is I was one of the first people like in my friends or just people besides one other person that went through IVF and it was a whole new world for me, but I'm so glad that you guys have this podcast so that other women connect can connect and, um, you know, they're, they don't feel so alone, but, um, out, do you just want me to start with my journey? Yeah. So I'm wondering how many years this kind of went on. And I know yeah. like, we're still somewhat young, or at least I think we're young. <laughs> right. Um, yes, I'll be 30 next month. Woo. So excited. But um, no, this was like a three-year journey to the day. And one thing, like as I talk, I really love numbers. And um, I, I was a teacher. I'm taking a year off um to be home with my um uh, with Addie Jean, but um, I love numbers and I love how things connect. So um it was three years um of a journey. Um exactly to the month. And I have three of my journals here to share with you. So you'll hear me talk about my numbers. Um, but we started trying in August of 2019. And I think prepare, like we got married in October of 2015. And um, I kind of had this anxiety of, I'm not ready to be a mom yet. You know, like, oh, we're young. We're getting the questions of, oh, are you, you know, when are you going to start a family? And I was not ready for that at all whatsoever. Um, and my husband was way more ready than I was. And so when we finally decided to start trying, I just kind of, I had a one friend who went through a, like a similar infertility journey, but not as extensive as IVF. And she was like, okay, you got to get the um, ovulation sticks. You got to download this app. I'm going to tell you everything you, you got to do. So I went in like, I'm going to get pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I can do this. I have a 27, 28 day cycle. Perfect. Um, well, that was not the case. Um, I was very frustrated because I, this is what I'm supposed to do. I, I have the OPKs, I do this, I have the app and it just wasn't working. Um, so there was a period of eight months that I distinctly remember with a new pregnancy announcement in my friends and family group back to back to back. I did not have a break at all. And that was um, very, very frustrating because I, you know, I, I was looking for all the ovulation signs. One thing I didn't have was like the cervical mucus that everybody talked about. So that kind of was a red flag to me that something was wrong. Um, but I wasn't at the point yet to really feel comfortable advocating for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, every month, you know, eight months went on um, of women or like friends getting pregnant. Um, one of them being a um, a family member who um, 
rub the pregnancy in my now you know when you're going through infertility like going through it you are very sensitive or at least I was very sensitive to everything around me everything was um targeting I mean I know that people didn't mean to target but I felt very targeted um towards things and uh kind of rubbed the pregnancy in my face and not really but he was just so excited and to me it was like he was targeting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a cousin who got pregnant, who wasn't trying and just friends. And so probably November of 2019, we hadn't been trying that long, but, you know, reading all of these things that you got to look for this sign and that sign, I wasn't having the cervical mucus. I, I kind of felt like something was wrong. So I went to my doctor and advocated for myself. Um, I was very nervous and I was told, oh, you're fine. You're young. Don't miss your fertile window. And I wish that I would have been, I had enough willpower then to say, oh, wait, but I've been doing that for the past, you know, however many months. And, you know, they said, you got to wait a year. Um, You know, you're under 30, wait a year. You might just be missing the window. So that was November of 2019. I continued to try um try doing what they said still getting frustrated all the while with every month was a new pregnancy announcement and the anxiety continued to grow um as you know time went on so then let's say let's see um COVID hit March of 2020 and um we were out of school my husband was out of work and we were not missing the fertile window do you know what I mean <laughs> you're like I'm for sure all day <laughs> There, you cannot tell me that I'm missing the fertile window. Like we are together. Like I see you, you see me. Like we don't have any breaks. Um, oh my gosh, so, that's amazing. <laughs> but like, right. So after that, I, I think like in April, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. My gut says something's wrong. I feel like something's wrong. I know I'm shy and I'm timid, but we're not missing this fertile window. I need to speak up and say something. Um, so I called my doctor's office and I left a message and my original OB could not see me. Um, but the OB that could see me was actually the one who delivered me. So that was kind of like a full circle, um, moment. And he was so sweet and I did not, he didn't make, you know, I didn't feel crazy after talking to him. I explained to him, you know, that I'm not having cervical mucus and, um, all of these things. And he was like, well, we'll just do some blood work. So that was, um, during COVID and, you know, getting to the doctor during COVID is like very far and few between. It's, it's very hard. Um, so I, I can't remember exactly what month, cause you know, COVID makes all the years blur together. So I, <laughs> I just know that we're in the spring of 2020 and, um, I go and get blood work and, um, oh, I did get blood work in November of 2019 and my progesterone was a 10 and I was fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I was fine, but I wasn't fine. Um, so it was high enough to, I guess, like sustain a pregnancy, but um, that ended up being my problem later on or whatever. So I, um, my cycle started getting shorter. That was another reason why I called with like during the April time with COVID and I was spotting before and I was reading up about, you know, that could be low progesterone. So he tested me again, um, spring of 2020, and it was still about a 10 um, still kind of low. And then I, um, he was like, we're gonna, you know, schedule your, um, HSG. And, um, I think I did that in September. Um, so throughout the other months I was getting day three testing. And, um, I guess that was the summer of 2020. I was getting blood work. 
um, to try for him to kind of come up with a game plan for me. And so that's at just this like, point. Yeah. So this, has this been a year? Cause I know you're saying November, but you guys were trying a little bit before then too. Yeah. So I didn't start climate until a, an exact year after us starting to try. Um, but I, I guess I, you could say I got help a little earlier than a year. Yeah. You know, because I was like, I mustered up the courage to advocate for myself. Um, so I was on Clomid for four or five months. And um, one of the months, I my period was 10 days late. And this was, I think, August of 2020. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is it. Um, I'm pregnant. Negative test, negative test, negative test, negative test. It like did not work. And throughout me trying, I did this funny thing. It's like a mental thing, I guess, where I wanted to get a negative pregnancy test before I got my period because it like helped me cope with my period coming. Um, oh, for sure, I get that. That's yeah. And when you're on progesterone, it's like such a mind game because then you get a delayed period and then you're like, wait, but do I, and then you're like forced yeah. to take a pregnancy test. Right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So in, you have no control in infertility at all, but if there was anything I could control, I wanted to control knowing before my body was going to tell me that I wasn't pregnant. That's smart. <laughs> that is so smart. Yeah. It, I like get it, that. it just like kind of helped me prepare. And, sure. you know, I have some friends that have gone through infertility and I tell them that, and I like, I wish that I had the hope and the optimism, but just going through it, there's so much disappointment. And that just kind of helped my heart prepare for the disappointment of my period starting. Um, so anyway, so I was on Clomid and um, my period was 10 days late. And then he was like, well, the next month with Clomid, he wanted to test my progesterone again. And then it was like um, a four. So I was, at, I was a 10 in November of 2019. I was around a 10 in April. Then I get on Clomid and I'm a four. So we're kind of identifying that that's definitely the problem that I'm on. He, he didn't put me on progesterone or anything like that yet. Um, Even with the four, he didn't? I know. I'm shocked by that. Not yet. Nope. He doubled my Clomid dosage the next month. And just to kind of like explain to listeners, cause I'm hearing everything you're saying. So like right. when your cycle gets a little bit shorter, that can be like the luteal phase defect, which means right. that like your progesterone's dropping yep. sooner than it should. So it's starting right. your period or like you said, spotting starting a little bit right. earlier and you won't be able to sustain a pregnancy. Exactly. And he told me that there could have been multiple times that I, um, that sperm and egg met and I just did not, I, I was pregnant and then I lost before I even knew it. Mm. Um, so, you know, and that's was, you know, it, I knew something was wrong and to me, it all made sense, but I'm not a doctor. Um, so, you know, advocating for yourself when you feel in your gut that this is what's happening, it, it's hard. And you, you know, that's yeah. something you have to do, but, um, or something that I learned to do throughout this journey. Um, so yeah, so my progesterone was not high enough to sustain a pregnancy, but I hadn't been pregnant yet. So I, I think that that might be why they did not put me on progesterone. And this is still my regular OB. So we doubled um, the dosage. And then the next month, I think that was October. Uh, well, I mean, two months later or whatever, we were in October and um, my progesterone came back at a 16. And he messaged me and he said, when and if you get a positive test. So I'm like, I'm like over the moon. Okay. I'm 16 progesterone. This is definitely the month. Yep. Um, and then negative test oh. um, and my period comes. Um, so I'm completely at this point, I'm like, okay, I have reached the point of, I'm afraid to advocate to myself. And now I'm going to advocate. Like, for now myself. I'm fighting for this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and I, 
it's like something that like stirs up inside you. And like, that's when I have people who like reach out to me that are, you know, going through infertility, I have to like take a step back and remember that I'm like ready to fight. Like I'm like, this is what we need to do. And not everybody's at that point yet in their journey, um, which is hard, but you just kind of get like, I want this baby. I, I will do whatever I have to do. Um, and I just, I know something's wrong with me and I know that I need help. Um, so anyways, he gives me one more month in November. Meanwhile, I'm looking for a specialist um, because I know that they are going to um, like, you know, refer me to someone, but I'm just kind of reaching out and my doctor um, and I, I looked on her Instagram and all this stuff is public and I'll tell you her story in a little bit, but um, Matrika Johnson, she opened up reproductive specialist of the Carolinas in Charlotte. Um, North Carolina. And I live about 20 minutes outside of Charlotte. I'm in Rock Hill. Um, and she opened up a, um, a boutique style um, fertility um, center. And I was patient number 11. So I was, they, they didn't even have their phone set up yet. And I was like trying to be their patient. How did you <laughs> find them? Wait, stop. Um, Hold on. Was she at reach before? Yes, she was. I, at reach. Okay. Cause I was at reach and I'm like, I had I had a different Johnson, but there was two different Johnsons at yes. the office. Okay. Yes. Sorry. She, and she's amazing. So she opened up her own practice and she actually went through infertility herself. She froze her eggs because she wasn't married yet. Um, I believe that's how it went. And then, you know, put, got married with her husband's sperm, created embryos. And, um, she actually went through, um, using a surrogate, um, and had her baby in April of this past year. Um, and this is all on her profile. So I know it's not like private or whatever. And so I loved having her because she, she knew exactly what I was going through and she was the perfect, she is the perfect doctor for, I'm going to shoot you straight and I'm going to tell you what's up, but I'm also going to be empathetic to you and to your needs. And, um, so she's wonderful, but, um, anyways, if, you know, I'm not sponsored by Charlotte. Do you know what her Instagram handle is? Or if you don't know it right now, we can, um, tag it. Cause I'd like yes. to kind of see that too. Oh, for I, sure. yeah, I think she's Dr. Matrika. Um, yep. Yeah, Dr. Matrika. And, um, her it's in the handle for the the um the doc the office is fertility carolinas um so she's just she's awesome and i just love her so much um so anyways i i found out that she was opening her own practice in november and i jumped on as soon as i could to be her patient um and like that like i said they didn't even have the phone line set up yet like it was and i was like signing up so um <laughs> i think in december of we're in 2020 still. I had um, my first consultation with her and, um, and it was all through zoom. You know, I have, you know, hadn't met her face to face yet or anything like that. And, um, she told me like our game plan, um, to come in and get blood work. And then, um, you know, we'll probably do two to three IUIs. Um, and then we can move on to IVF because, having unexplained infertility, that's kind of, you know, you do things with your OB, or at least I did um, for about six months. And I was cutting that off. I was like, I'm, I'm moving on OB, like, love y'all mean it, but I've got <laughs> to get some help. I love it. Oh my God. Um, so true. And so I, I moved on to, um, to her office. And so I, I felt so much relief being with a doctor that I knew was doing everything she could she her her motivation matched my motivation for 
us for me to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just gave me so much relief. So finding a good doctor, I, I got very lucky because I heard about her. Um, but finding a good doctor, I mean, that's just, that's so important. Um, I didn't search very far, but I just, I'm so thankful for her because I, I would not be as strong as I am without her. Um, so anyway, things get rolling, you know, the office is slowly opening up. Um, and I have an IUI in February and I just, you have to, when you're going through infertility, you have to sit back and you have to laugh at the funny things. Um, there, I'm not going to expose my husband too much because he's <laughs> I, can, I can already know where you're going oh with that one. <laughs> Kill me, but we may or may not have, you know, the cups are small. You know what I mean? So <laughs> there, there may or may not have been, and we have to laugh. We laugh at it now. An instance where the tape was still on the cup and my husband forgot to take the tape off, thus forgetting oh, to take the tape off. And you're that probably on the so other funny. end mad at him for the smallest thing. You're like, shoot. Are you kidding me? You had one job. Yeah, okay. I was one job. job. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. Just so, so I called it going oh. to the clinic. So if we laugh about it. And so, you know, anytime the doctor would call, I'd be like, Andrew, you, you got to go back to the clinic or you gotta go back to the clinic. <laughs> um, anyway, so we would just laugh and laugh. So and I'm thankful for those funny moments now, but in the moment I was not. Oh, you, yeah. Um, so first, first IUI we go and they tell me ever and ever, bring your cup with you, bring your specimen cup, bring your cup. Well, we don't bring our cup. Are you serious? And you're like 30 minutes away. Oh, 30 minutes away. So we're there. So they, oh so God. they hand my husband the cup and I am like stressing out in the office. I'm like crying. I'm like, you can tell I'm pacing up and down. I'm like, we can't do this. IUI. We don't have the cup. We, you know, we waited all month and you've done all your part. Yeah. Right. We've prepared. We've done this. We've done that. And, um, Dr. Johnson comes to me and she's like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Oh. Uh, my husband still will not tell me where in that building he, he helped himself with the cup or, you know, did what he had to do. He I still won't tell me. I have I mean, no idea. He's like um, in a janitor's closet somewhere. Foreman. <laughs> the things you go through in order oh gosh, to that is like, hilarious. The so, funniest, the funniest is I was at a wedding and like, like I had another friend going through IVF. And when you get uh-huh. the husbands talking about their small little portion, they act like they did the whole six months of shots, but it's hilarious when the guys talk about it amongst right. themselves. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's like, I mean, all the pressure, like, you know, that a guy feels. And I mean, yeah. it's funny if y'all could get like a guy's perspective on here. I'm like, you should. Oh, should. You know, um, don't sign my husband up because we'll definitely not do, we'll do it. our husbands. We'll okay, make so them the do mysterious, it. it mysteriously was a filled cup and you're ready to go. We're ready to go. Um, that IUI didn't work. And I think my approach with the IUIs is I'm literally, I'm doing this so that I don't regret not doing it. Like I did not really have high hopes with IUI. Um, cause you know, I found out later that I had a two per two to 4% chance of, you know, conceiving. And when I found that out, I'm like, are you kidding me? So I spent a year thinking I was pregnant over and over again, all for a two to 4% chance. But, um, anyways, that's unexplained infertility for you. Um, and so, yeah. So my approach to the IUIs is this is not really going to work. I didn't really have high hopes for it. I really had my mindset on IVF um, because I knew that was, you know, a 60% chance or higher or whatever. And um, that's where I wanted to be. But there's always that, you know, 
that hope with IUI that it's going to work. And I have friends that it's worked for. And I think that's amazing. Like I, I just, it's a miracle. I love it. Um, so that's the first IUI and I call it like our oops. I feel like there's always an oops in every part of our journey. Second IUI rolls around and the oops is on me. Oh, so wow. the power, y'all, this is just, the power goes out. Okay. And when you do an IUI, they give you progesterone pills. So I, I think y'all talked about an IUI in the past and you go and, um, you know, you make sure the follicles are right. You do the trigger shot to release the eggs and then they bring in the specimen. And um, three days after the IUI, you start your progesterone um, capsules and you insert them vaginally at my daughter's office. Some you do orally, which I did not find out until later. So anyways, I was going to bed. Um, this was after the IUI and it was time for my, um, to insert the capsule or whatever and the power goes out. And um, I'm in between taking stool softeners and the- No, oh my gosh. Yep, yep, I'm going there. Yep, that's what happened. Um, I'm dying. <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. I can hear it. Okay, when you're on progesterone, your stomach is messed up and you have to take, you have to take stool softeners. You do. I reach over, the power's out. I think I know the the feeling of the pill. So the well. same because I, I had to take them postpartum. Did the same thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> so the power's out. I can't see the label, and I swallow my vaginal capsule. Oh. Oh wait. Okay. I thought you were gonna say. I thought it was gonna be softener vaginal. Yeah. The poop thing. No. Anyway. No. 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 I swallowed the vaginal progesterone. That though. that honestly is worse. It was. That's... I I felt it go down my throat, and I said, "Oh my god." So <laughs> I. <laughs> I had to, my husband was out of town working. I had to call my dad because my mom wasn't answering the phone. So of course, like, who do I tell? I have to tell my dad. I call him and I said, dad, I need some help. (laughs) Brennan, what do you mean you need help? I said, I, I did something wrong. He's like, what'd you do? I said, I said, I swallowed my, my, my vagina pill (laughs) for my IUI. And my dad is like, oh my gosh, well, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know what to do. What do we do? I love <laughs> this so much. My dad calls poison control for I me. Was literally uh, thinking, I was like, that's actually my first thought was like, do you just call poison control? Yeah. I don't know. So my dad calls poison control and I call Dr. Johnson's office and you know, it's late <laughs> at night. So <laughs> I want to know what that, the receiving end of poison control. Hey, uh, my daughter's hey, my daughter, daughter, my grown up daughter. <laughs> my- Right. She swallowed, um, you know, a progesterone pill. So um, then a poison controls on the line with me and they're just talking me through, you know, they're like, you might be a little nauseous, um, but it's going to be okay. And so I'm like stressing, I'm drinking tons of water, uh, the power's out. So my house is um, super cold. So I'm, you know, I, I just got, I'm, you know, in tizzy. So then I, um, Dr. Johnson calls me back and, um, she says she doesn't know it's me, but I admit to it every time because I have no shame. You have to sit back and laugh at these things. <laughs> um, and I told her what happened and I was like, I'm so worried. I was like, did I mess up my IUI or this? So I guess this was, or I, did I mess up, you know, what could have happened after the IUI? And she was like, no, sweetie, you're fine. And she's so sweet. And she said, those pills can actually be taken orally or vaginally. <laughs> You're like, oh, my and I said, seriously, <laughs> I got, I got my dad on poison control over here at 11 p.m. 
right. Oh, so oh then my gosh. I spend the remainder of the night just dying laughing. And, you know, so that IUI didn't work, but at least I laughed for forever. It's so, so funny. Um, anyway, so that's, you know, I say it oopsies every time. So that was on me. I can't wait to hear what happened for the third. I know, right? Oh yeah, the, I was a I was a hot mess in the egg retrieval uh, <laughs> um, operating room. But um, anyway, so IUIs happen, and so Dr. Johnson's like, "All right, we're going to move on to IVF," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm I'm ready. I've been ready. IUIs were not for me." Um, and Dr. Johnson, um, we start. Um, you know, they go through the. Um, baseline ultrasound and blood work and we're in may of april of 2020 and i'm on birth control to suppress the hormones until we um start my cycle so a lot of um clinics do batch cycling where they just kind of put you on birth control until you can get on with like their that month's like women who are going through egg retrieval or whatever mm -hmm. so i was waiting until may to do that. And, um, so the way that we did, um, all of our shots is I invited all of my family and friends to be part of the shot process with me. And so like one night, my husband did the shots for, um, egg retrieval. And then I had my parents each do a shot. So everybody, oh, got, that is the uh, sweetest thing I've ever heard. It was, it was really cool because I wanted them to have a hand in, you know, what I we literally have chills. Through. That is so sweet. I've and, never um, my journey and it was so special and um they prayed for me before um and it, it just was it was something really special and now that Addie Jean's here everybody like my village can say I had a hand in helping oh my her gosh, I'm gonna cry I love that um and it was just I I, I posted a video of, of it like I think I saw it on TikTok because you know 2020 was when for, for, I guess us millennials, 2020 was when TikTok became the thing. The thing yeah. um, and I was like, I want to do this. And it was so special. And um, my mom was afraid to, you know, give the shots. And I feel like I had to, you know, give a lesson every time somebody gave me a shot. Um, but it was, it was, I, I love doing that. Um, and so our, I wrote it down. I have to make sure I'm remembering everything. So we get to you know, as you go through IVF, they're measuring your follicles and egg retrievals here. So here's my oopsies for the egg retrieval. It's not as good as the IUI, um, but they, when you go down and Kat, I know you're in the medical field, but I guess I can't, I don't know if y'all can remember, but they, what is the, they put you to sleep through an IV. Anesthesia. Anesthesia. <laughs> Anesthesia. But what is it? Is it like, what is the purple hand? You don't know. What am I talking oh, about? The Michael Jackson hand. That's what they call it. It's something about how it burns through your entire body. Okay. I haven't heard. That's a new one. Okay. I so I have no idea. I'm, y'all, I'm, I'm a teacher. So, or I was a teacher. So I don't know. But it was something like your whole, the way that they put you to sleep and the pain meds or whatever, it burns. I don't know if y'all remember in y'all's IVF, but it burned my entire body. Um, I felt burning before I went to sleep um, because they couldn't put, is lidocaine a numbing thing? It is. It is. Lidocaine it is. is. And honestly, they gave me fentanyl, which is a whole, we could have a whole podcast. Oh, on that. that was um, after I had been, I had that. Yeah, that's um, I, Well, I just remember that they couldn't give me the pain medicine before the anesthesia in my IV because it would like mess with your, I don't know, yeah. something like that. 
That's crazy. I don't think I, I remember that. I can't remember. So it burned. So I felt, and it could have just been me and I felt it burning through my body. And I remember saying, um, I mean, I don't remember saying this. They told me this after, um, I kept saying, I'm trying not to cuss. I'm trying not to cuss. I'm not, I'm trying not to say a cuss word. But this, um, I said this SHITF and burns and I screamed it in the doctor's office. Oh my gosh. Um, And you're on the table? On the table, (laughs) out of sleep, uh, or like, you know, right before you go out. And um, anyway, so that was my uh uh, an egg retrieval, which wasn't as bad as um, it's still funny. I always was really funny. The first time I ever, ever went under anesthesia was the egg retrieval, and that's like really scary for some people. And like, (laughs) I think a reason some people don't want to do IVF, but I was so nervous that I was going to say something or do something. (laughs) I I remember you texting me about it before you, right? Yes. I was so nervous. I was like, like, it'll be fine. You'll just go to sleep and take a nap. It's okay. It was was introduced to me too. It's like, oh, you're just going to take a a really good nap. I was not Yeah. Then after that first egg retrieval, then I went under anesthesia like 13 times that year. But anyways, (laughs) you're a pro. (laughs) Um, After um, they rolled me out and I was waving to them and I told the office I was Miss America um is what they they is I what I, so I it was the next appointment after egg retrieval was funny everybody's like I want to go drink it with you you're a fun girl <laughs> like, um well that's true um but anyway so I they they retrieved 20 eggs um 16 of them were mature and then eight of them were fertilized Dang. and from the eight um four made it to blast um and so you know so they're the, great numbers Thank you. I, I, looking back, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for those numbers because I know that that's not the case for some women. And, you know, when you're in it and it's the first time ever, it's all scary. And I think the scariest part is not the beginning numbers or the ending numbers. It's the jump from the numbers. Like, cause you, I jumped from half each time. And so that was before sending them out for genetic testing. Um, So all four of the embryos came back normal um I was very grateful for that Dr. Johnson was on the phone and she was like do you want to know the genders and I was like no I don't want to know the genders I just want to know if I have one of each and she said no so I knew in that moment I either had four boys or four girls oh my gosh oh my god and so you know I have Addie Jane so I know that the other embryo is a girl um which is so funny but um so anyway so I um I do the trial. You have a trial transfer after egg retrieval. And for my trial transfer, I, um, they found, um, polyps in my uterus, which means I had to have an, um, hysteroscopy, um, before, which was another setback. So I just felt like everything was a setback, but I just, I kept going. Um, I, I, I was reading in my Bible every day. I was praying every day. I, I really grew in my faith throughout all of this. And, um, and I also learned that I have no control over any of it, um, which is very hard to learn. And even as a mom now, it's something I'm still learning. Um, so I, um, have that everything comes out good. And that was June of 2021. So, Wait, did I skip a year? Wait, that's so crazy. COVID years. No, that's not. COVID. I did my hysteroscopy June of 2021. Oh, you I did? did. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so crazy. Is that right? I, I think mine was June 25th. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. The COVID years, they blend yeah, together. They really I'm do. 20, I like don't even know what year we're in right now. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so we're um 
June 2021, I have that. And so I still am able to transfer July um, 2021. So that transfer and going into the transfer, I'm like, IVF works. It's a 60 to 75% chance. I have a good tested embryo. I'm going to get pregnant. Literally, my mindset was I'm going to get pregnant. I didn't even think about miscarrying or it not working. Um, so July, I think 21st or 22nd of 2021, um, we transferred the embryo. Um, and I, um, it's, I found out August the 1st of 2021 that I was pregnant. Um, and I didn't do any of the, um, tracking where women, um, like they test out their trigger or they like, you know, do the line progress progression. I just like took a pregnancy test the Sunday before my beta day. Um, and now looking back, that test was very light. Um, and I had, I just saw pregnant, you know, I was like, I knew IVF was going to work. Um, and my beta came back the next day at 64. And it's not uh, that low. I mean, it's lower, but it's not that right. low. Right. And so, so when she told me I was pregnant, she was very hesitant to saying you're pregnant. Um, because you know, that could kind of go either way. Um, so for two days, I was just, I was so stressed out. Um, because I just, you know, I didn't really know what that meant. And, um, then I started, I did do the line progressions like the next two days after, and it was getting darker, but you know, I had never seen a positive pregnancy test forever. So the faint was, Oh, that's positive to me. Like I didn't realize they always tell you, they're like, it doesn't matter what, how faint it is. Like if it's there, you have HCG in your body. Right. Exactly. And then, then, then you're pregnant. And so you just don't, I guess when you're, you know, when you're getting the blood work, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's so much more than just that positive test. And unfortunately, and so I I quickly learned that and um, I was very excited, but also I was, you know, very hesitant and I was guarding my heart. And um, so I went back two days later and I remember specifically praying that the number will double, like, please God, let it double, let it double. And I just remember praying that all day and all night the next day and my number tripled. So I went from 64 to like, I can't remember, like, 200 and something. Um, and I was so excited. And then two days later, it more than doubled again. So, um, they tested my beta again, the following Monday, just because it was lower in the beginning and everything showed progression. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I went back to work and, um, like, like school started or whatever. And we had a teacher work week that week. And I remember it was the Friday of our, um, teacher, like the Friday of, that teacher work week. And I, um, woke up in the middle of the night to blood everywhere. Um, it was like horrible. It was an awful dream. Um, and I called them and they say, you know, sometimes bleeding is normal. (laughs) Like, and and that's, that's, that's the worst part is because it can be normal because I did spot with Addie Jean and I did bleed with her and she's here. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened, um, with this one in August. And I remember this is, I know this is TMI, but, um, passing like a clot that looked almost like a pancreas or something. I don't know. It was like an organ in my hand. And I did not realize at the time that that was me miscarrying. Um, and so how many weeks were you? Is this like six? I was like six weeks. Yes. Almost six and a half weeks, I think. And, um, so, and then the bleeding stopped and it slowed down. And, um, so this was on a Friday night. So I called the clinic and then I go in on Monday for blood work. Well, I was at 2000 that Friday before, 
And then that following Monday, I only, that was like four days. It only like increased to 4,000. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we need to bring you in on Tuesday um, to have an ultrasound. And in my gut, I knew that I, that I lost the baby. Mm -hmm. um, so we do the ultrasound and the way that Dr. Johnson does it, she's just, she's just amazing. She, she takes the screen and she looks at it and she studies it before she shows it to you. So she was able to prepare herself, which eventually prepared me for, um, you know, what, she was going to say. And, um, she said that, I think that you miscarried. So I had a partial miscarriage. Um, and she said, there's three options. You can either take, um, the pill, um, over the weekend, you can either do a DNC or you can let, you can see if you can miscarry naturally. So I decided to go the natural route to see if I would pass it. And then later in the week, they called to check in with me and we scheduled a DNC for the following Thursday. So the following Sunday after that, um, this is about a week later. So I, I went back to work because the distraction at school and being with students was better than being at home thinking about, you know, what was going to happen. Um, and I finished miscarrying that following Sunday and it was, oh, it was, it was the worst pain of my life. Um, it was very comparable to going through birth now that I have you know, um, so, so the, when you finished miscarrying, I'm sorry, that was natural. You, you ended up not doing the scheduled DNC. Right. The scheduled DNC was for the following Thursday gotcha. and naturally the Sunday before. And, um, it, it was just, it was horrible and I was hot flashes. I mean, it was just awful. I agree. I told my husband to call 911 at home when I was going through it. And like, now that I've had labor, I'm like, okay, it's literally the same, right. but you don't have an epidural. <laughs> right. It was, it was so painful and I had never experienced it. And I didn't know what to expect because like I said, none of my friends had really gone through IVF or miscarriage. I was kind of the first and, um, it was, it was just, it was very hard. Um, so anyways, after that, I think I was kind of numb in the journey. Like I, I was still very hopeful. We had three embryos, but I was, I was numb and I just wanted to know next steps. I think I was even more motivated to, all right, let's get to this baby. What, what do I have to do next? Um, I definitely mourned that. Um, I was still, I was very sensitive. I, I still am sensitive. I think going through infertility, you know, people post things without thinking, or they say things without thinking. And even having Addie Jean, when I see just, oh, here we go again, baby number two or baby number three, I'm like, women would give anything in the world for that. And, um, I just, I think that I'm very sensitive to that going through that, um, and having friends even now that go through that, I just want to shield and block anybody from any of the pain that I went through too. Um, so we, so that miscarriage happens in August and then October. Um, well, I take a leave of absence from school. Um, I'm stressed out. Um, I am in therapy, um, which, you know, did wonders for me. I should have been in therapy for a, a lot longer than that. Um, and I'm so glad I took a leave of absence because I had a chance to focus on myself. Um, and I transferred in October and I, I went into that transfer. Like, I'm not going to do any of the wives tales, pineapple, whatever, fuzzy socks. I don't think so. Like everything on the list, it didn't work. Look at what happened then. I'm yes. now. Like, I feel like I completely rebelled every IVF thing because I don't know. I remember my therapist asking me, are you superstitious? And I was like, maybe, or maybe I'm just like bad. Like I, I couldn't tell, um, but I didn't do anything. I was like, well, I didn't do anything here or I did everything well, it's here. It's exhausting because yeah. like all of those things are such effort and you're like, okay, that didn't do me any good. Why would I do it again? Why would I try it again? Yeah. Right. 
Exactly. So I I didn't do anything. I was like, well, I try to take the approach. If it happens, it happens. Like, uh-huh. unfortunately, I never had that approach trying to get pregnant. And if there's one thing I could go back and change, I wish I could be like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Like, right. that's nothing that we do. Yeah. Nothing that we do actually changes it. <laughs> right. And I, I wish more than anything that I could do that, but that wasn't me. So we go into the October transfer and um, that transfer I didn't pay, I try not to pay attention to how I feel like felt or symptom spot or anything like that. But, um, cause you know, that's the worst part is the weight and, oh, what was this? Oh, what was that? And literally the medicine makes you feel the exact same way as you do. And now you're like, it doesn't even matter if I get a positive test. Cause I'm going to have to go through this beta hell and right. not, not yes. feel good until I get the ultrasound. Yes. Cause that's I, the one thing about like miscarrying is you have to go back every two to three days to make sure that your beta is decreasing. There was one point that they thought I had an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, because it just kind of wavered there for a long time. And, um, that's just like, that was just really hard. Um, so we go into that transfer and I'm trying to go into it very nonchalantly. And, um, I remember at the transfer. So when you get a transfer, the embryo kind of jumps out and it, um, or at least it looks like it jumps out. It's like the way that it comes out of the catheter. And I remember my husband recorded it in the last one and he and I both saw the embryo just kind of like jut out. It didn't have a good little jump. It just kind of I just could tell something was off. They, the embryologist like went through and made sure it wasn't in the catheter and it wasn't, it was definitely, um, you asked for that or they were like, just, they, wanted to, do it. they wanted to do that. So I was kind of picking up on, like, I feel like everybody was, knew, yeah, knew I feel like that would immediately make me so nervous. Yeah. Right. And then I remember like, before I went out, like I did, I just didn't get the same vibes as the first transfer. And, um, I, the, the next, um, like whenever it was over, the nurses, and I think they were like, I don't know if they were talking in the hallway again, you know, when you, when you transfer, I was on like, um, Valium. Uh, yes. Valium. Yeah, that's so, I, mean, yeah. I could, you know, we know what happened to me during egg retrieval. I could be making this up, I mean, but I remember, like, I'm high as a kite. I don't know what's going on. Right, exactly. I remember seeing the doctors and the nurses just kind of talking to each other in the corner. And so and I had my own vibe of this wasn't good. Um, and my husband, what I found out two weeks later after beta, um, he had the same vibe, but he never said anything to me. Husbands are the best. Right. I mean, just going to protect us. Yeah. Right. For their own sanity. Absolutely. And so I think just trying to make sure I had the same hope throughout the, you know, the entire time. So I, um, I go and like, you know, we have the two weeks. I try really, try really hard. This one, not to pay attention to anything, no fuzzy socks, nothing. And the transfer fails. My beta came back at zero. So that means like it didn't even attach nothing. Did you test before the beta? I did not, not for this one. No, I did. I, so I did every, something completely different each time. Um, and I, um, I remember talking to my husband and I was like, I had a feeling this didn't work. And he said, I had the same feeling. And I was like, I, I, I'm glad we didn't talk about it, but I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, and you know, each, like, you're not guaranteed a pregnancy with every transfer and they make sure to tell you that. And, you know, the doctors and the embryologists, they have no control over, you know, what happens with the embryo or whether it attaches or not. Um, and I know that they, everybody did their, their best. It just wasn't, you know, the embryo that worked. 
Um, but you're still mourning that loss of, you know, what could be. Because now you're um, down to two chances. I'm and- down to two chances, right? And I, um, I'm very numb. Like I'm very, at this point in my journey and in my faith, I think I get to the point of, I'm finally trying to actually surrender this over to God, which is very hard to learn um, because I want control over it. And um, so the doc, Dr. Johnson calls me and she's like, this is what we're going to do. Um, she says, everything looked good on your end. Your, um, you know, your lining looked great. She's like, we're just going to try it again. She's like, I really think that we need to try it again. She didn't recommend an, um, any of the, te- I guess, Emma and the ERA for uh-huh. me um, yeah. because I did get pregnant the first time. And so with each one though, they did increase my progesterone. I forgot to mention this. Um, I, I went to two shots every night for the um, October transfer. So much fun. And then I've continued to shot for my December transfer, but they increased the dosage. Um, So that was a lot of fun. So um, my next transfer was scheduled for December 9th and my birthday was December 10th. And this approach, I, I, I mean, I try to change something up every time. And I was like, well, the first time I did all the things and that worked, that worked, but look at where I got me. The second time I did nothing. The third time I'll just make some soups and just wear fuzzy socks. <laughs> Do it. You know? So yeah, every time. Time. I try, because when you're going through something that is out of your control, you do whatever you can to find small things in your control and it makes you feel sane. It makes you feel sane. So, um, I did all those things and (laughs) I did do all of the ideas, wives tales. Um, (laughs) and I, my birthday was December 10th and my transfer was December 9th. And, you know, high as a kite on volume again. And I make everybody in the, um, clinic sing me happy birthday. (laughs) And so they all say me happy birthday. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Dr. Johnson said, you know, I I see you on this medicine, Brenna, but part of me thinks this is really you. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, So, you know, I'm cracking jokes in there trying to, you know, stay as calm as I can. And um, I spend my 29th birthday on the couch um, in fuzzy socks preparing for progesterone shots. And I remember posting something on my Instagram, like, this is it. Um, you know, this is where I'm at. Um, I did share my story. Um, I forgot to mention I, I took a, I was off social media for a year and a half during all of this because I was constantly comparing myself to people who had babies. And I was just thinking about what I did not have, and what everybody else had. I think okay. that's like the most important thing, not to take right. away from your story, but that's probably the most important thing that I just took away from your story. Yes, like, it, that's, that's awesome. I'm so glad I did it. And I want to do it again. Um, but I love you know, I love being able to look back, especially as Abby Jean is growing um, in like Facebook memory. I, I, I love that stuff. Um, but I also keep in mind that there are women who are, you know, going through what I went through. Um, and so I'm so glad I, d- I did that cleanse, but I did post after my miscarriage. And I think I, I, at the beginning of my post, I said, this is not how I envisioned sharing that I, you know, being back on social media, I thought I was going to share that I was pregnant. And I'm sharing that I'm miscarried. Um, and so I posted on my 29th birthday and I just asked for prayer. Like I just was very vulnerable and very open. And I'm so glad I was because that's, that was a big part of my healing process as well is just sharing what I went through. So anyways, I, I remember I was, you know, doing my morning devotions, um, you know, while I'm waiting in the transfer and I'm laying on the couch, not moving for three days because this time I'm doing something different than <laughs> Don't let it fall out. <laughs> And I think like the following Wednesday, um, I just kind of had some peace and it just, I just felt like I just, I just, you know, heard, go take a test. 
and um, I just had this this weird piece about it. And so I woke up and I went to, I took a test and I had a very faint positive. Um, and I did not tell my husband because I didn't want to go through everything that I went through, you know, again. So I, that's when I did start testing and I, you know, I did continue to get positive tests. And then my beta day, I think was the following Monday again. And my beta was 477. And the entire clinic called and everybody was, you know, so excited in the background. And uh, it was just brought me so many tears. Um, but the Sunday before I, <laughs> I tried to be cutesy because it was around Christmas and I put positive tests in the, fr- on the tree. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that is really cute. But you think it's cute. You think it's cute. But my oh, husband caught me and he's like, why are there pregnancy tests in the tree? And he's like thinking I'm manifesting with my oh own my positive pregnancy test that I'm going to be pregnant this cycle. And he wait, completely missed it. It just took me a second too. I was like, wait, that means you peed on them and that they're positive. Right. No, <laughs> he thought they were my tests from August. Last time and I was like, trying we're really gonna hard. Be we're going to be pregnant. We're going to be Wait, so was that the announcement to him? Him? Yes, that was the announcement. Yes, yeah, so there's my oopsies for this. Okay, so God. did not go the way that I planned. I actually made him go back and re-record it, and it's so because <laughs> he tried to like act. Re- like, wow, are these positive pregnancy tests? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um. So, anyways, do you have? I really want to see that video. <laughs> I will. I will. Sh- I will share it with you. Um, because the first one was like, why are there tests in the trees? And the second one was, thank you for making my coffee this morning. Like it's just so <laughs> nowadays, fun. that would be a really good TikTok. Right, for sure. Um, so anyway, so I am able to surprise people around Christmas, which was really exciting last year. Um, I did have some spotting with that pregnancy and um, which was like PTSD because that's what happened before the miscarriage. Um, and, but I just kept going, you know, kept trucking, you know, when you're out of, when you're pregnant, you're not really, you're not, you're never safe and you never really feel safe. I had, I had scares. I know Kat, you've had a really rough pregnancy. Um, and I found I was very nauseous. I didn't have, um, like vomiting, like as bad as you did, but I was super, super nauseous the entire time. And I didn't want to complain about it because I worked so hard to get pregnant. And so I was in my own kind of mind game there. And what I've learned is like your the journey of infertility doesn't end after a baby is here and it doesn't end after a positive test. So um, I kept going. I was diagnosed with placenta previa in June. So I um, stopped, had to stop working out. And I um, six, during like six months. Uh, yes, this was um, at my anatomy scan and then 10 oh, weeks. OK, later, they confirmed it. And, um, so I'm a ball of nerves. Um, and then I start bleeding and they say, as soon as you bleed, you need to go to the hospital. And, you know, so I bleed like at 20 or excuse me, like 34 weeks. And, um, we have to go to the hospital. They kept me overnight. They said, one of three things can happen. You'll have an emergency C-section. Um, you'll just trickle bleed and you'll stay here till birth, or you'll stop bleeding and go home. I got to go home. Um, and during this time we had a C-section scheduled for August 7th. And I went back the following week and I, um, I, uh, the, the baby was not growing. She was in the 89th percentile. And then she went to the 13th percentile. Wow. Um, It was a really big red flag. And they made us wait four days for another ultrasound to just make sure it wasn't the tech at the time. Um, and they moved my C-section up from August 7th to August the 1st. Um, so, um, he, he was like, we just want, you know, you to have 
as many doctors there as possible with a previa just in case you hemorrhage. Yeah. And I'm like, so what's the likelihood of me hemorrhaging? And he's like, well, it's kind of similar to you going out and you're, you get in a wreck. You, you know, it could happen. And it could <laughs> you're like, great, thanks. And I'm like, that's great to know. Um, So we had the C-section August 1st. And I found out that I was pregnant August 1st, 2021 with the baby I miscarried. And August 1st, 2022 is when Addie was born. That is was just full circle. Um, it, it was full circle. It was awesome. So we get out of the um, operating room and I hemorrhage. Um, I did. It was, and you don't t- say your birth stories, but the reason I'm sharing this is because the same faith and the same strength that I had to have during IVF was the exact same mentality I had when I was laying on the hospital table, bleeding out. There's one doctor doing 45 minutes of funnel massages on me and another doctor with his entire fist, like all the way to his elbow inside of my cervix, pulling clots out. Um, For 45 minutes, they worked on me. They had anesthesiologists coming in there asking me what I ate last because they were, I was five minutes away from having an emergency hysterectomy. And no chances at all of all of like having another baby. And I just remember looking up and just praying, God, please keep my baby safe. Please save my uterus. Um, but our, but I think that the faith and the strength that I, that like I grew, I guess, like going through infertility was because of all that, I was strong enough to get through the hemorrhaging and sure. it was very scary. I lost two liters of blood. They had to give me two units of blood. Um, and I couldn't move for like the first 36 hours, but, um, I can now say it was all worth it. Um, but I think it's the biggest thing that I learned going through infertility in my journey is you're, you're not guaranteed. IVF does not guarantee you a baby in your arms. Um, and like, you never really leave the journey, I guess. Um, I have a friend kind of going through a similar, but different infertility journey now. And I just, you know, I hear about miscarriages. I hear about this and I hurt with her and uh, with others that go through it. Um, but yeah, that's my story. And uh, <laughs> sorry. I beautiful, beautiful story. Absolutely. Yeah. Really thank I know. Thank you so much for sharing. I like, there's so many like high points in there. I love like your funny stories, getting off social media. I really can relate to, to like you, you had to go through xyz to have the strength then for something that could have happened had you not gone through infertility right um that's that's awesome right it really it really was it you know that you learned so much and you know every part of that journey like prepares you for the next you know step in your journey in life so um I'm I'm thankful for my infertility journey because I would not be as strong as I am today without it that's awesome. I'd ask if you had anything else to share with listeners, but I feel like you've already shared like some really, really good points. Thank you so much for being on with us today.